and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with David J. Smith, a longtime teacher and current educational consultant, whose books for children include If America Were a Village, If the World Were a Village, and This Child, Every Child. His most recent book is If, a mind-bending way of looking at big ideas and numbers, illustrated by Steve Adams. It was published last year by Kids Can Press, which is sponsoring this podcast. In If, Smith uses everyday analogies and examples to help children get a better grasp of hard-to-imagine concepts like the size of the galaxy, our planet's 3.5 billion-year history, and the amount of money on Earth. On the subject of our access to water, Smith explains that if all the water on Earth were represented by 100 glasses, 97 of them would be filled with salt water. And if the past 3,000 years were reduced to 31 days, the first Olympics would have been held on the third day of the month, while the dodo would have gone extinct on the 27th. David, thank you for speaking with me. It's a pleasure. Thank you, John. So it seems like uh, the idea behind If is very much in keeping with uh, the way you structured uh, if, if America were a village and if the world uh, were a village. Is that, is that fair to say? Well, I mean, the premise is to take something imponderably large, 7.2 billion people on the Earth or 320 million people in the, in the U.S., and reduce it to a manageable number. And so it is exactly the same premise. So let's take impossibly large concepts and reduce them to something that is at least familiar enough to us so that it can, we can get our brains around it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, since you'd covered things like geography and, and um, population on Earth and things like that uh, so extensively in the first two books, uh, did it make sense to go even bigger with this book and sort of take a look at the surrounding galaxy or the span of human existence and things like that? Well, these are kind of the kinds of questions that came up all the time in my travels and visits to schools and so on. Is well, what else is there? You know, what else? How else can what else can we look at in the same kind of way? Lots of teachers were fascinated with the the idea of reducing you know, these very large concepts and and scaling up or scaling down different ideas that they were working with. So. This, that was the origin of the book. Mm-hmm. And uh, what were some of uh, some particular favorite analogies or scale models you might have uh, came up with uh, for this latest book? Well, my very favorite one is uh, if the if the entire history of the Earth, which is uh, 4.6 billion years roughly, um, were reduced to a two-hour DVD, and you pop the DVD into your into your DVD player and get out your bowl of popcorn and sit down to watch the history of the earth unfold. The first human being shambles across your screen in the final second and all of recorded history, the last five, six, seven thousand years, uh, happens in the final one sixteenth of a second. <laughs> That's so funny. That is exactly the example that I had sort of uh, picked out myself as one that sort of immediately jumped out to me. Um, it, is, is that one that kids, their, their jaws just sort of drop when they sort of, you know, come across that uh, idea? And, and, and adults, too. <laughs> I guess I'm kissing point there. So. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it generates a, a, a laugh often. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh, we're, we're so tiny at the end of this, of this huge, huge story. We're not even the blooper reel. Uh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, and now, of, of course, uh, Steve Adams' paintings uh, play a big role in the book, too. Uh, were you in touch with him at all as the book came together? Did you work together in any way? Not at all. Kids Can Press has been very uh, 
I'm not sure what the word is, rigorous maybe, mm -hmm. in keeping me and my illustrator from comparing notes. So Shayla Armstrong did If the World Were a Village and If America Were a Village and This Child, Every Child. And when it came time to do um, If, I, I suggested that they talk to, to Shayla and they said, we need somebody a little bit more scientific. And, um, and so they found Steve and he's just phenomenal. The work he's done is so great. Excellent. And uh, going back a little bit, how did you initially get your start, um, you know, writing books for children in the first place? Oh, it was, uh, it was accidental. Um, I have a curriculum that I was teaching to my grade seven students in which they, over the course of the year, they learned to construct a usable mental image of the world in their heads. And then they show it off at the end of the year by drawing a what we call a memory map of the world, starting with a blank sheet of paper, um, including you know, 190 plus countries and ocean seas, gulfs, etc. Um, and I I did a seven minute segment on the NBC Today show about that, and and a whole bunch of uh, of publishing companies got in touch with me. And said, "What else do you have? What can what can we do? What can we publish? This is so exciting." And at that point, I didn't have anything except I had the the notes for "If the World Were a Village," which I had worked on with my one of my grade seven classes. And uh, an, an uh, I'm sorry, an editor um, from William Morrow came to my classroom and said, you must have something in your files that we could publish. And I showed her these and she said, this is great. And you know, three and a half years later, uh, even though I'd done some work with her, the, the, the um, editor on content and, and wording and so on, they, they gave me back the manuscript, said, keep the advance. We just can't find the right illustrator. And the same thing happened again with another publishing company. And then I, I had an agent at that point who found Kids Can Press, and they found Shayla, and, and the book became real. So from 1990 until 2002, the book was moving from one publisher to another, never being rejected except we can't find a way to illustrate it, hmm. um, um, but always just not quite there yet. And so when it was published in 2002... Um, you know, it was just a few months after September 11th, and so that the timing was was just amazing because people began to realize that we need to know more about our neighbors in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, going back to that uh, curriculum you mentioned, uh, that also is available now too, right? That's something that's uh, I guess published right. as well through uh, Fable it Vision. If Fable Vision, Peter Reynolds, wonderful company. Mm -hmm. um, Peter Reynolds, author of Ish and The Dot and and other classics. Um, he's got his own little publishing company and a bookstore. Um, and yeah, it's called Mapping the World by Heart. And uh, at the moment, it's a it's a three ring binder with several hundred pages and and outline maps and so on. But we're getting ready to publish it just as a DVD. Excellent. And, you know, I know that um, 
geography is, I think, I believe something that you taught for many years. Is it, is it a subject in particular? It, it seems like it's something that weaves through a lot of these books. And is it something that's especially uh, close to your heart as a subject? Very close to my heart. I mean, my parents were huge geography fans. We, we had a house full of maps and atlases and so on. And, and uh, so all my life, I've, I've been thinking about you know, who we are, where we live, where do other people live. And so this is this was a natural step for me. Mm-hmm. Out of curiosity, uh, what do you think about the way that you know services like uh, Google Maps or Google Earth or just satellite imagery in general have have changed the way that kids are able to interact with and understand their world? That's a really good question. I I think there's there's a, a good side and a dark side. I mean, the good side is you want, you want a map of something, you just go click, 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 and you've got a map of whatever it was. And you can, you can zoom in, you can zoom out, you can take a closer look. Um, but at the same time, there is something just spectacularly wonderful about paper maps and unrolling or unfolding a paper map and looking at it and thinking about what's there and, and what's on it and what isn't on it. And that, that kind, that's fun. And that kind of fun is, is no longer as available. How did you originally come to the idea of, of this idea of trying to get kids to, to draw from mem- memory? And why did you think that was something, an important thing for them to sort of oh, be able to do? Well, my, my grade seven students um, really didn't know much about uh, the world. And uh, I was embarrassed to send them on to grade eight with their not having uh, at least a basic knowledge of of where the U.S. was in relation to other countries or where Canada was in relation to other countries, um, what state they lived in and what its capital was and what the neighboring states were, that sort of thing. And so I I took an old thread that had been begun by a a teacher of mine named Everett Smith, and uh, he used to have kids memorize the roots of the of the earliest European explorers of the New World um, and draw maps of the world, very rudimentary, basic maps of the world uh, from memory. So I, I thought this would be fun to, to elaborate on and, and make more interesting. Hmm. And I, I originally set my sights pretty low. Well, let's see if we can just get all the continents on in more or less the right places looking right. Uh, but I realized that if you set your sights high, most grade seven students will will rise up to those hmm. to those expectations. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, getting back to this book, uh, you know, since if has been out in the marketplace for a little while now, um, have you been starting to hear sorts of things? Uh, are you hearing from readers, either educators or uh, kids themselves? Well, I'm just I'm so amazed at the success of this book. I've been hearing lots of I've been getting letters from kids. I've been getting lots of mail from teachers. Um, and Kids Can Press um, ran out uh, of copies of If uh, three weeks before Christmas. Uh, Another shipment was on its way, uh, a second printing, but it was held up in in some port somewhere, in some container somewhere, and so for three weeks before Christmas and for the now two weeks, almost three weeks, well, actually, yeah, four weeks since Christmas, Um, the book has not been available to buy, uh, and yet it continues to be in the top 100 of all books on Amazon.ca. It's a, it's a very popular book. And I have on my website, which is mapping.com, I have 
pages about each of my books, and uh, there are ways uh, that you can go to the the page about if and click, you know, send me a question or send me a suggestion or whatever. And I've been getting lots of those too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, given that you worked uh, for so many years as a teacher and spent all that time in the classroom, besides children, do you always have uh, teachers somewhere in the back of your mind when you're conceiving of and writing these books? Uh, you've probably noticed at the back of each of the books is an essay for teachers and parents. Basically says, okay, now that you've read this with your kids or your kids have read this, uh, what do you do next? And how can you... Uh, elaborate on this and how can you go on to whatever's next with this and here are some lessons and here are some ideas and here are some resources are you very active in visiting schools and uh, you know the last 10 years i've i've had about 150 hotel nights a year and uh, you know i probably i probably visit uh, 100 to 125 schools a year and do you often do those events tend to revolve revolve around the idea of these these scalable activities and looking at your world in different ways? Yeah, lots of them do. Uh, sometimes it's just an in-service program for teachers. Sometimes I do assemblies and classroom visits, and then an in-service, and then a parent night as well. Um, so it's whatever whatever seems most useful. And I, I give teachers who ask me about it, uh, I give them uh, a menu. Mm-hmm. You know, here's what you can choose from, and I'm a cheap date. That's why they. Love, <laughs> that's why they. That's why. They, that's, why they, that's why I spend so much time on the road. Hmm. And um, are there any other uh, projects or books that you're currently working on, or quote unquote big ideas that you're thinking about? Well, a couple. Um, right now, I'm working on uh, one idea about. Um, it's not exactly a, a, a light comfortable book, but it's about global disease and understanding disease vectors and what we need to worry about and what we don't need to worry about. And the other uh, I call extreme events, which is you know, the, the atmosphere and the world is changing for better, for worse, whether, whether we're doing it or whether it's just a natural occurrence, it doesn't matter. We're seeing more and more big storms. We're seeing more and more uh, volcanoes and and earthquakes and so on and what is it that children need to know about these things uh, you know people have written lots of books for adults about these things but no one has said you know you don't need to be worried about this this is not going to destroy us this is not going to change our lives but here's how you get ready for it hmm. excellent well uh, congratulations again on uh, the new book and thank you for speaking with me john thank you so much this has been great fun Once again, I've been speaking with David J. Smith, whose most recent picture book, If, A Mind-Bending Way of Looking at Big Ideas and Numbers, is available now from Kids Can Press. Thank you for listening to PW KidsCast. Cast.